Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast, an intimate look at some of the best runners in the country as they prepare for the Olympic Marathon Trials in Atlanta next February 2020. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and I am so excited to get started on this amazing journey with some of the best runners in the country, eight in particular, and let's go through who they are. On the men's side, it's Jared Ward. Parker Stinson, John Ranieri, and Lou Serafini. On the women's side, we have Kellen Taylor, Roberta Groner, Sarah Bishop, and Stephanie Flippin. This is going to be so much fun in today's episode. The first episode of this series is with Parker Stinson. And how this is going to work for the next four weeks or so is going to be pretty simple. We're going to have one episode for every athlete, two episodes per week for the next four weeks. So the first episode is with Parker, as you will now know. In addition, next episode is going to be with Roberta Groner. After this week is going to be coming out every Monday and Friday. We moved this episode, Parker's, to Tuesday because he has a special announcement that he had to wait until today to give. So this is going to be a Tuesday episode release, but from now on it's going to be Monday and Friday, and I'll also be releasing episodes on my Rambling Runner podcast feed every Wednesday. So three episodes in total from the Rambling Runner podcast network. I cannot be more excited to get started in this endeavor. Parker, in this episode, touches on a lot of things, past, present, and future, and with his traditional flair for for all things running. I I just love this conversation with Parker, and I'm really excited to follow along in his journey. He's done this before, and we touch on that as well. This is a fascinating individual, certainly a talented runner, who I believe, and like many many others do too, has a big future still ahead of him, even though he's already achieved so much already at some of the shorter distances. So here is my episode with Parker Stinson. Hey, Parker, thanks for coming on. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I'll tell you what, last year I was a big fan of something similar that you did was the the Endure series with Trackster, which was, I think it was five episodes with a bonus episode. It was kind of a video series. That was really fun to pay attention to. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, that's this this app called Trackster, and it's... it's um kind of an app, you know, it's, it's recording all your training and there's quite a bit of, quite a bit of pros on there, but it's really kind of a community based app. So what they've got is a lot of like high school teams and college teams on there. And it's just a way for, it's kind of like an Instagram feed of your training and you can kind of comment and just a really friendly, fun app. And, uh, part of that was, um, we wanted to create some really cool content and yeah, we created this series that they did a really, really good job. I mean, it was kind of, first inspired by the fact that I was running Chicago marathon and, you know, trying to break two eleven. And after my debut, you know, there was kind of a lot of attention on what I might do in my next marathon, just cause that debut went so crazy, um, in a, <laughs> in a good way for a while, but then in a, in a real crash and burn. Uh, but then it kind of got deeper in it and it went back to kind of my childhood running and my success and failures at Oregon. And so it was a really cool full picture that just kind of happened naturally as we started telling the story. And uh, I'm glad you're a fan. A lot of people um, have reached out and, and said they really, really enjoyed getting to know more about my story watching that. So, Well, I'm glad you got good feedback on it. That's for sure. Were, were people just kind of commenting like, you know, 
I know YouTube comments is like not exactly a place you want to linger for too long, but I don't know. How did you start? How do you get feedback on that? Because it's not only is it similar to what we're doing now, but it's kind of this new generation of pro athletes kind of taking control of the narrative and their own athleticism in a way that connects them not only to fans, but does so in a very, you know, hopefully very transparent manner. Oh yeah. I mean, you nailed it. That's, that's definitely a lot of the, the new, the new age right now. I mean, you, you know, before we started recording, you mentioned that you you chatted with uh, Ben Rosario of NAZ Elite um, last week or, or recently, and and they're huge proponents of that. And um, I try to be a similar way. I mean, it, a lot of people want to share all their great workouts and share all their their great stuff, but um, you know, NAZ Elite they share they share all their training, and um, that's a really special thing to do because it gives the full picture. Um, and that's kind of a little bit, you know, I mean, there was some really impressive workouts in that Endure series, but, you know, it's called Endure for a reason. And uh, it's actually, it's kind of even cooler that series, you know, you follow me along and you learn about some of my failures and my successes. And then in that series, um, you know, the Endure, the Endure name reigns true, like uh, Chicago doesn't go. I mean, it goes fine, but it doesn't go what I hoped and definitely doesn't go as well as um, the fourth episode called the suffering shows that it could have, you know, that was a really great workout, but what makes it even cooler is, uh, we did a little boat. We did another series in Michigan recently with Dathan and before the 25 K and it's called endure, you know, just keep enduring, just keep doing your best and, and share the whole journey. And it was cool to, uh, kind of knock one out of the park this time when, uh, we were starting to share some stuff before that again, too. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting when you also kind of look back at those moments to try to get a grasp of, I'm sure like, you know, for you looking at what goes well and what doesn't go well and not only trying to like balance the good and the bad, but then learn from it in a way that you, you know, can attribute to future training or just to, you know, approach things with the right mindset. And I don't want to go too far back here because shoot man you've already chronicled a lot of this stuff and that's part of the reason i bring it up is not only because of the parallels with what we're doing now but i think if someone wants to get a full picture of what happened last year that's the best place to do it but i do want to touch on a couple things like you just mentioned you're working with dathan now and your relationship with him goes way back how about you touch a little bit on you know, how you guys first started communicating and what the circumstances were you know, you know the beginning of your relationship yeah, sure. Yeah, we go we go way back. I think we were Dathan and I were just talking about that actually. I think it's like ten years or something now. Um and I mean <laughs> in the very beginning it wasn't much of a relationship, you know. I mean he was the man, he was he was in the prime um of his career doing I mean, still doing huge things on the track. I think when we first met it had to be probably either right after, or right before he ran twelve fifty six. Um but basically uh I was just doing pretty well in, in high school and my high school coach didn't really feel like he knew he was kind of more of a soccer background and didn't really feel like he knew, um, that much. So he just reached out to, I think he like had read some of Brad Hudson's books or whatever. And I think he maybe reached out to a few other people, but Brad was like kind enough to email him back and just kind of say, Oh wow. Yeah. Like that sounds like really good. And just kind of give some advice. So they were just kind of emailing back and forth and, I mean, I wouldn't say he was coaching me or anything, but just like helping guide my coach. And then Dathan came down to Houston half and I was in Austin, Texas. So my whole team and coach, we all like drove down there and uh, tried to meet them. And then I, we we just saw them outside of like uh, 
a hotel, I mean, total stalker vibes. We saw them outside of a hotel or something and we're like, Hey, it's us or whatever. And I don't even think, I don't know if Dathan knew, even knew that Brad, I don't even know, but Dathan of course was, was so nice and stayed and talked to us a little bit. Um, and then kind of just maybe remembered me a little bit, but then I went on to win junior 10 K title, um, twice in high school. And, you know, those are always around those USA meets, right? Like where the pros are. So you're kind of like overlapped. And so, um, then, you know, Brad introduced me to Dathan again, and we just kind of chatted and all that kind of stuff. But where it got really serious was Dathan was moving back to Michigan and selling his house, uh, down in Eugene and, and trying to sell that. And so he was a volunteer assistant coach during this indoor season that I, that I just really took off on. Um, I was kind of someone who was running fast times and doing really well. But then when it came to NCAAs, um, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't choke or anything. Like I wasn't running horrible, but everyone's just kind of like, Dane, like he wasn't really, you know, I get like seventh or eighth or sixth or something. And it felt like I could have done better. So when Dathan came, he, we really connected during that indoor season. And I had a huge breakthrough and finished third behind, um, Edward Cheserick and Lowie Lalane and top American during that year. And then we were just really, really close. I mean, it was just such a great experience and such a fond memory, I think for, for both of us. Um, and we've just been super, super close ever since. And, um, yeah, was it that your personalities it. meshed or was it kind of like being able to like kind of lean on him because he'd had kind of like a similar background in terms of, you know, having a, having a big time pedigree going into college and really trying to make the most of it once he was there. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think you probably, it'd probably be a, a really great question to ask, you know, why he connected with me so well. I mean, obviously mm. like I was just so flattered that someone like him would, would take the interest, um, when I was struggling and not doing as well, you know, especially at a big program like Oregon, when someone like that was willing to invest time and believe in you, it just meant a lot. So it's easy to see like why, you know, I was really excited about it. Um, but at the same time, there's other things I noticed besides him just being Dathan Ritzenheim, like he was just always so positive. And, um, I just felt like he just kind of always had my back. Like he would see the workouts I was doing. He would see all these kind of things. And it was like, he just, if I had a bad race or something like that, he, he, it wasn't like he would blame me or anything like that. It was just like, well, what can we do to make this better and kind of believe in me? And I just think he's a really special person. Um, probably because he's been through a lot of really hard moments himself as an athlete and probably doubted himself a lot. Um, as an athlete, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but I just, you know, he's had so many injuries and stuff like that. And so I think all the personal highs and lows he's been through, I think he can really understand, um, that athletes go through that. And just because they have a bad season or a bad year or whatever, that doesn't change that, like the person or the, the athlete they can be. Um, but yeah, I don't know why he connect. I don't I mean, I don't know what he would say, but that's probably why I connected really well, um, with him. Yeah, I can imagine for you, it's like, yeah, it's like a no-brainer, right? <laughs> being like, oh, being yeah. like the best player at Duke being like, of course I'll be friends with LeBron James. Like, what, oh, what, yeah. you know, no, what, why was, would you uh, even ask that question? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, it was like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just remember like, he was like, we'd walk into the Dempsey. Um, it's a weird memory, but it was just such a surreal one. Um, it, it's just strange. Like, we'd walk into the Dempsey getting ready for this big race or whatever, and he would like, take my backpack from me and like carry it as I was getting ready for the race. And I was like, this is insane. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm just some guy. I'm like some guy who's been underperforming and like whatever. And Dathan Risenheim's like demanding to like carry my 
backpack for me. You know, it's like you felt like you're like an Olympic gold medalist or something. So I don't know if just being treated, I don't know, like just being treated like really well or whatever it was, but it just maybe when someone was willing to put in that much time too, I think it just made you, you know, it's scary. Um, but I think it also just made you really, really want to do well. Um, so, but yeah, so took off from there. And then the tiny bit more history is that, uh, I got Achilles surgery and it was the exact same as surgery that he got. Um, so I was really, really, really struggling through that. And I reached back out to him during that time. Um, and he was, uh, he helped me a lot through those doubtful moments, um, kind of after the surgery when it didn't seem like things really, I don't know. It didn't really seem like things were, were working very well. And, uh, yeah. And then I went and got coached by Brad Hudson, who he was coached by for a long time. And so we just have had a lot of similarities that, um, you know, he just a lot of opportunities for him to be there for me and, um, and help me. So. Yeah. And you've talked about the Achilles injury before, and, and this is something that I think is, is hard for people to wrap their head around because they see your pedigree in high school and college, which speaks for itself. You know, nine time all American, as you mentioned, you know, you won the 10 K nationals a couple of times as junior. With that being said, you, know, you were basically out for seven months, which obviously it, it's not like the end of the road, but that's a hard thing to come back from. So when you were coming back, from being down in the dumps, not only physically, but I'm sure mentally and emotionally, considering what running meant to you. What was that process like getting back up to speed again in all three phases? And how did you rely on others in that time? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I would say there was a lot of moments, a, a, a ton of moments that I didn't, um, it sounds dramatic, but it's just, you can only live in like the moments you're in. And um, I didn't know, like, sure. I knew if I got Achilles surgery, I could r- probably run again, right? Like go for runs or something, but I didn't know if I would ever be able to be, you know, the athlete I was again, um, at all. And didn't know like, well, what's going to happen when I run hundred mile weeks or when I'm running hundred mile weeks and putting on spikes, like there were just so many things. Um, and so the reason the little history on it is and why it was so, um, hard was I didn't rupture my Achilles because when you rupture Achilles, you go straight to the hospital, they fix it. And it's a really big deal. Don't get me wrong, but you, you, it happens and you fix it and then you get better. Um, mine was my calf got tight and then the sheath got scarred down the, um, around the tendon. So I kept going in to see people. I'm like, man, this hurts. I can't run. And they would look at it and they would do, uh, MRIs and ultrasounds and they're like, your tendon is fine. It's okay. It's probably just this thing going on. So I spent three to four months of doing all these things people told me to do and, and it would get better for a week. And then I couldn't run for two weeks and better for a week. So dealing with that was so hard. And that's why when I eventually got the surgery, I just was kind of like, like you said, I I didn't know. I, I, like I said, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I was like, I just felt like the surgery was another thing someone was going to tell me to do and it wasn't going to work. Um, so I got it. And then it was a long process afterwards, but yeah, I mean, it was still scary. I mean, even when they told me it was better and that's when Dathan helped me, they're like, Hey, you can run. You're fine, man. It felt like crap. It did not feel like normal. It didn't, I was so scared. And Dathan was telling me all these things like, you know, this, this is normal. This is okay. Like you've got to just start doing some runs. Like you've got to just go run 15 minutes, whatever. Um, but yeah, so I had the Olympic, I had the Olympic standard. I'd run 2754 and I was just sitting there at, and in the stands at Hayward field, watching the gun go off. And like, I was running probably 15, 20 minutes with my wife, 
uh, well, she was my wife at the time, my fiance at the time. And I would, and there was no like, way could, that you were beating her at that time. No, no. And it was, it's actually so <laughs> weird. You know, um, when you're in really good shape, you start a run and you feel really tired, right? You feel really tired and you're like sore from all your great training, but you warm up and you feel good. It was the opposite. I would like go out for a run 20 minutes and I'd be like, oh man, like I've got this. Like I took so much time off, but like I didn't gain too much weight or anything. And it's like talent doesn't go away. And I would start, run the first mile in like 645 and feel so fresh and good. And then I just go back. I would just be dying and my calves were like just exploding for like a 20 minute run in training shoes because I just hadn't done it in so long. Um, so it was a really dark time and people I leaned on were were Dathan and uh, my fiance asked, I mean, it was, I was just so negative and I was stuck in Tracktown USA being a, an Oregon duck who had done some good things for the program and won some NCAA titles as the team. And like, I couldn't run, you know? And so like, that's all there is to do there when, when you're, when you're part of that team. So it was really hard. Um, uh, yeah, I, I moved eventually. Cause I think that was a part of the thing I needed to do. I just needed to get out and start anew because I just felt, um, I don't know. I just needed something new if this Achilles thing was going to work because I felt like my time in Eugene was kind of, was kind of up. Now, did you, were you able to take anything away from the injury and kind of, um, pre-diagnosis or pre-surgery time that you're able to use now, whether that's, you know, advocating yourself, advocating for yourself, I should say, with doctors or, you know, things that you were able to take from your own, you know, personality or well-being, you know, while you were away from running? Oh, oh, like, um, like what, like, how did I say like a hat, like, um, just like a more well-rounded person or something like or not even, when I wasn't able like, to I run mean, like, or, you know, it's like, I don't want to be that trite, but you know, it just like, you know, something that you cared about for an insane amount of time. Oh, yeah. I mean, for, for 10 years and you cared about it like an insane way in a positive yep. sense was all of a sudden taken away. And anytime you thought about it, it put you in a dark place. So what were you able to then focus on that maybe you hadn't in the past that was able to kind of like bring light in your life, if at all? Yeah. I mean, probably it, there wasn't much I'm being honest because it's like, you <laughs> nailed it on the head. It's like, I think I'm one of those rare, I mean, there's a lot of great runners out there that have other passions and other interests and maybe they're just kind of good at running, but like, I don't, I don't like to cross train. I don't like to do all that kind of stuff. Like I love running and it's my passion. And the the hard part was, is I just had signed as a pro. So it was now my job, my passion. Oh. It was, it was, it was everything, you know? So, um, I mean, the only thing I can really think of, uh, I mean, I just remember once again to, to bring her up, my, my, uh, fiance and now wife is like, I just remember, um, spending definitely a lot more time with her to the point of wondering, you know, it's kind of probably a little nervous if I was like messing that up because uh, <laughs> I wasn't really doing much. But I just remember trying to go to a lot of her races. Like I, I remember I drove up to Seattle a few times to watch like regionals and Pac-12s, you know, just try to like be involved with the team a little bit. But it was hard, you know, at the same time, it was hard to be involved, right? Because it's like every time I would show up, people couldn't believe that I like, couldn't believe I wasn't running still. They're like, Cause you know, you get a stress fracture, you get those things, you're out, you're out for six weeks, the bone heals, you, you start that process of coming back. So people just couldn't believe that I still wasn't running. So it was really hard to show up and be around my friends and be around people because, it, it, you know, everyone cared about me. So they're like, what, well, how's it going? I'm, I didn't really have any answers. 
Um, right. And so, the last thing you want to do is probably talk about it. Yeah. And everyone, yeah, exactly. You know, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. And then just the Olympic trials kept getting closer and closer. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, there wasn't much <laughs> and I don't know. I didn't, I, I can't remember if I, I don't think I really, I don't think I just felt sorry for myself a lot. Um, I have, I don't know. I have a cat. Like I just, I, I don't know. I didn't really, um, I didn't really do much. So I can't, that year is kind of a, a dark, a, a black hole. <laughs> it was just so, it was just like, everyone gets injured. It's not that it's just like, I, I, I really hadn't been injured that much. And I, I, you know, it just seemed like a little injury. It was like a tight Achilles. And I was like, I was, uh, going to all these, do I was just going and seeing everybody and doing everything I was supposed to do and nothing. It was just so many things didn't work. And I was like, this is crazy. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. <laughs> so it's funny. It actually reminds me of Dave Scott, who's like, you know, the first kind of the first legendary Ironman triathlete where, who was like, he was either training and like, if he was training hard, his life was good. And if he wasn't training hard, he was like, life was awful. And there was like no middle ground. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And it kind of reminds me, you know, maybe not to be as dramatic, but it kind of reminds me of that. No, it is. And that's, the, that's, the, that's the thing. It's like, I think I am definitely like a rare on this. Like I love to hurt and I love to like push myself and to train so hard. Like I, I really am really happy doing that. The thing is, I'm not like some of maybe these other people, like, I'm not saying like people enjoy cross training necessarily, but I don't get the same type of high, like to go hurt on a bike or like cross train. It doesn't, it just doesn't really do it for me. Like what makes me feel so good about hurting with running is like, I truly feel like I'm, I'm building towards something special or like I'm becoming, um, better than I, I'm like getting to be better than I ever was. And I just don't really feel that when I'm, I'm cross training. So it's so like, yeah, it was really hard. And, um, it's funny you say that I think, um, and I'm sure we'll get into the, some of this stuff, but I think some of that's been some of my detriment in my career a little bit is like, I do enjoy the process and I like enjoy training and I enjoy the journey so much that like, sometimes I've struggled to maybe like live in the race moment or like realize, Hey, just because you trained so great and you had all these great workouts and you were so tough on that day. Like if you're not tough on the race day or if you don't get excited or like get amped for this race day, like that doesn't, the returning doesn't mean anything. Like you don't deserve a good race just because you trained really well. So that's something that I've had to shift a little bit because I do love the day-to-day -day training and, um, and stuff, but you know, it's all about racing. Well, that's the most important thing. So, yeah, that's a great point because there are a lot of people who, you know, can go the opposite way, not necessarily at the highest level. And obviously the best thing is to have both, right. To be able to right. find, yeah. you know, complete joy in the training highs. And then also, you know, have, you know, an even more elevated experience on race day, but it does speak to like, if, you know, that, I guess that is a testament to really loving the process, which is kind of like a buzzword now. And whether it's Nick Saban at Alabama or whoever, who espouses that phrase, you know, that, that really is kind of like in the moment right now, at least in like the, the sports vernacular, but really loving the process, like you said, is like a full-time job and it can be, you know, shoot man <laughs> like yeah like if, if you if, if you're really doing that like to the letter it can be you know all encompassing because you're really kind of like every day can mean so much uh as opposed to like you know kind of pacing yourself in a sense for you know those specials you know three to six days a year 
No, I love what you're saying about pacing yourself. Um, it's something that I started, I started to get the hang of, um, at the end of Oregon big time. And it was like kind of how I mentioned that I, I could run these, the, I was showing signs of someone who could do really well at NCAAs because I would run these fast times just when they would happen because you just get fit and it just happens. But I remember like, so for instance, like I ran 1330, but then it probably took me two years to start getting like top three at NCAAs after that. And it's crazy because like, but all I, it was just a different shift. It was like, I knew I didn't have to really get in much better shape anymore. It was more like I had to master the momentum in the season to be like, instead just run, be like in 1345 shape or 1340 shape, but like not really investing like a much emotional energy or whatever, but like make sure you're in that 1330 ready to pop, ready to be like really excited at NCAAs. And so Mm. that's how I like started to get so much like better at it. It's like, I didn't really PR in my last few years that much in those events, but it's because like, I didn't care about that anymore. I was like, I don't, I don't want to be the guy that goes and runs 13 25 in the middle of the season and then gets six at NCAAs. Like I know 1330 fitness is like good enough, but I've got to be like feeling fresh and like feeling ready to close out a good last like K or 800 or 600 or something by NCAAs. So, and it's, so I think pacing yourself, like you said, is, is so important. And I think enjoying the process, you know, like you said, these other sports say that, and that's, that's great. Um, like the buzzword, but you have to enjoy the process in distance running. It's so much solo things. It's so many things that have no glory in it. And it's not a game, you know, it's not, it's not intrinsically fun, like football or basketball or whatever. Like what's fun is like when you PR or when you go for like a really special run with a friend or something, or you have a, you have a big win. So if you don't enjoy the process in distance running, I think it's going to be it's going to catch up to you somewhere. I just don't know how you could be successful if you can't enjoy the day to day. Cause it's very different um, from other sports, I would say. Yeah. You bring up a great point about periodization there. It's almost like the college runner who like kills it in September because he's running like three workouts a week in July. And you're like, yeah, that's awesome, man. Like congratulations on all the hard work, but you timed it wrong. It's like, you know, it's not that we didn't work hard in July, the other runners, meaning, it was that we just were waiting to do it until September. Yeah, it's this it's this thing that and it's something that's really you know, it's funny, all these things are kind of clicking a, into my head with what's really exciting about what I'm doing with Dathan now. But it's basically this thing about at some point, and I guess that's what happened, once I ran thirteen uh thirty and I'd done some other things, I finally proved to myself, like deep down, that I was like, I know I belong here and I know I can do it. And so I think when you talk about those other people they're still trying to prove that to themselves like that. So they're just chasing fitness and they're chasing all these things and they want to like prove that they're good enough. Um, and I was that way a lot at the beginning of college. I was that way a lot at the beginning as a pro and kind of what shifted now is like, I've had enough good workouts or I've had enough signs that I'm like, okay, I know I can, I have what it takes to like win this race or like be around this area this time. Like I really believe it. So instead of proving it, like you said, in July and like showing up in September, trying to prove it, you know, I, I'm just believing in myself and Dathan really helps me believe in myself to say, Hey, let's like, it's not about, you don't need to prove it every month out of the year. You know, you just need to stay healthy. You need to do the smart things. And then, you know, there's a few times that we do need to prove it in some workouts. And then once we do that, you get back, you get back to checking those boxes and holding back at least emotionally holding back some of that stuff until, till the race day. And so 
I do feel like it's taken a little longer in my professional career, but I feel like it's followed a, a pretty similar path uh, that it did at Oregon. And it's really um, the American record thing. It was, I mean, I was doing well before that, um, but I've been doing really well before a lot of races before and hadn't had a day like that. And I really think that was just a lot of, like you said, pacing myself and a little bit physically, but more mentally and emotionally than ever. Like I was so like fired up and ready to go for that race. And like, I was even having good workouts the week or two before. And I didn't even care. I was like, I don't care that this was a really great workout. It means nothing to me. I was like, I've done really great workouts before all I care. I like, I was like, this day has to come like right now because I just was ready to go. So I think that was the big, I really think that was the big part of that breakthrough right there. If you're listening to this, then you love listening to podcasts and music. And let me tell you about a company called Aftershocks. Aftershocks is the award-winning headphone brand best known for its ear-opening listening experience. Powered by patented best-in-class bone conduction technology, Aftershocks headphones sit outside your ear so you can hear your music and your surroundings at the same time. Aftershocks is a must-have headphone for runners providing them the ultimate level of safety and comfort without compromising sound quality, and that's a big one. You know, you want to be able to hear what you're listening to. That's the whole point in the first place. So to learn more and to save $50 on Aftershocks endurance bundles, visit olympictrials.aftershocks.com. Again, Aftershocks is great, and one of the things I love about them is the all-day comfort. Right. If you're going on a long run or even shoot, even if you're a, a bike rider, you're going on one of those four or five mile rides. Aftershocks is huge because you can hear the cars coming, but you also have that all day comfort, which you don't necessarily get with earbuds. And for me, a lot of earbuds, once I, once I start sweating, they just fall right out of my ear. That is not what you're looking for, and that is not what Aftershocks will do to you either because it sits outside your ear and provides you with that high-quality audio experience you're looking for. So get $50 off. Again, on the Aftershocks Endurance Bundle, visit olympictrials.aftershocks.com. And how did you approach... um? tapering for that race in comparison to some, you know, whether it was Chicago or CIM or some other big races, obviously it's a shorter distance. So it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison, but I say that in light of another interview that you did, you mentioned that, you know, even if you don't feel great, you know, three or four days before race, as long as you feel great the day before, then you feel like you're ready to go. Did you take that same approach into 25 K champs? Yeah. Um, the the 25k champs was strange though like I, I was kind of talking about that um just a second ago i i don't know something was just special was happening like i mean you can't always know if it's going to happen for sure or not but i i i'm telling you like 5 days out 6 days out i was just thinking about it all the time and every run i went on i felt good and it was kind of like i would even um just cuz i was just sleeping so much that i would like eat dinner with uh Dathan and his family and I would just go out for my run after my double, like after eating dinner. And I didn't even, it didn't matter. It didn't, it didn't matter to me. Um, and I still felt good even after just eating dinner. And it was just like this mindset of, I just could feel that this, I didn't know if I could win or if I could break the record, but I just knew that this was a moment I deserved and it was coming. And I just, 
coming into that mentally, I just really felt like I didn't care what time of day the race was, when it was going to happen. If you just tell me where, like I'll show up and I'm going to, I'm going to just go run and it's going to be a good day. Um, 4 CM in Chicago. All I can say is like, I don't remember feeling like that way. Um, leading into the race, I kind of, I, I got a little, you know, not an ex- not an excuse or anything, but just like we're, we're trying to compare. I got sick before Chicago. I got a cold, um, like six days out. And so I was really stressed out, um, going into that, trying to get better. So obviously I felt really bad, um, most of that week, but I did, get, I did come out of it and start to feel a lot better, but you know, that's, so that's hard to compare because it wasn't my normal self. Um, CIM, I felt pretty good, but I'd say I was probably overdoing training going into it but I felt pretty confident, a similar kind of vibe of just like that I was going to go run really hard and, um, and just kind of see what happens. But I think I was the workouts I had done before that too, were probably too hard. I was kind of like, I don't really feel like I tapered that much for it. (laughs) So. And one thing that you mentioned after CIM, so just to put in perspective, so you ran basically 209 ish pace for the first 22 miles. And then you had some cramping um, after that, which which kind of derailed your race at that point. But you were running really strong. So it's not like things weren't going well. Um, and you talked after that race about how you kind of addressed it with a strength coach. So you started doing some like trunk exercises and core work. Do you feel like that that has kind of alleviated that problem moving forward? Um, it has. Uh, it's still it, it's interesting. Um, it still comes up. I've actually just dealing with so it came up after the 25k too. So I'm still dealing with it. Um, it basically comes from my so I actually just um, saw Dave McHenry in Portland for it. He works with uh, um, he works with a lot of people, but he works a lot with the Nike Oregon Project and some other groups. Um, and he's like their guy, he's their strength coach, their PT, everything. And he has this really, really exciting, uh, new machine that, um, they put all these things on me and they analyze your form and what you're doing and what, why is this happening? Um, so my, basically what it turned out to be was my spine, um, is going to my right PSI joint and kind of stopping there and coming back, which is totally fine and normal but it's going all the way past my left PSI joint quite a bit. And, and that's where the problem's coming from. Um, I'm just swaying, I'm turning too much and it's causing a lot of strain on my SI joint. And then the groin stuff in the front, which derailed me at, um, see, I'm, it wasn't even cramping. It was literally like this, uh, my groin muscle, just totally my obliques and everything just like got so tight and gave out, um, that those are compensating for, what's going on in my SI joint, like all those things, there's something's in there is connected. So what we found is I really need to get my Corona. I think it's called coronial coronal strength. Um, so I need to get that coronal strength up. So I'm working really hard on that. It's, it, it is deep abs, but it's also like side abs. And, um, I need to just move forward without swaying so much in my trunk. Um, and working on some hip extension, things like that. So I'm still addressing it. I mean, it's gotten a lot better. Like it didn't, it didn't affect me at, um, at Chicago, but, after CIM, I was doing, I did a 24 mile long run in my build up to Chicago and I wasn't even running fast because we kind of attributed the groin problem to overdoing that race, you know, running too fast, whatever my muscles just giving out or something. But then I was, I was just running a normal long run, nothing crazy. And it, it flared back up big time again around 23 or something. 
And so that's when I got really worried about it and really focused. Cause I was like, this isn't a overdoing it. It's kind of like a time on feet thing that's coming up. So I'm still addressing it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm trying to get it better, but, uh, it, it didn't bother me in Chicago or the 25 K. So the only time it's ever truly affected me in a race and was, was CIM, which is, which is good at least. Well, Parker, if it's a time on feet issue, then just run your marathon faster. <laughs> I know that's the plan, right? That's if you if you just exactly. finish up in like one forty five, then it's it's a non issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But no, I'm working hard in the gym. It's funny. I'm actually. Um, I just saw that. I just saw Dave like two weeks ago, and I'm I'm working really hard on that stuff. So, um, but it's tough, you know. Like you work really hard on that stuff, and then it's great, and then you know something else maybe come, something else comes up. So it's just hard to balance it all. Like you got to get in the miles, you got to get in the gym work, you got to get in the PT work. And the, so it's just a lot, but that's my big focus right now is getting, getting that, um, groin and, uh, obliques and SI joint better on the left side. So it's funny to hear you to phrase it like that, because as, as an amateur runner, I feel that way all the time. And I'm always like, <laughs> man, like the pros, the pros haven't made, like they're able to do all the stuff. And I'm like, but as you, as you say that, I'm like, no man, like that's definitely not true. Like, Hey, it's definitely see that like there's, you probably reach a saturation point where you're like enough. Like I'm already running twice a day. Oh, I'm man. already lifting. Do I really have to do deep ab work as well? Yeah. I tell you too, it's stressful. Like you don't understand, like there's no other job. Well, there are other jobs, but there's, it's a rare job. Like I'll tell you this. So, um, I'm always stressed. Like, am I doing enough? Am I going to get injured? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? But the best example of how crazy this job is, is I went on to set the 25K American record and I knew I was going to have a good race and I had done so much great training and emotionally, mentally, I was like ready to go. And I made a bunch of money for myself and my family and we really needed that and it was great. I rolled my ankle so bad at 18 minutes into my warm up, and so unlucky, but then so lucky that somehow I was able to run on it. But I could have made zero dollars that day just because I rolled my ankle on my warm up and I wouldn't have been able to run. And that's a that's just a really dramatic example. But that's a stress that I, I, that's my biggest fear and my anxieties all the time is, oh, I'm crushing my training six weeks till, um, my next marathon, three weeks till my next race. It's just like when training is going well, you're nervous something's going to pop up or I mean, something probably already has popped up and you're just nervous. It's not going to go away. So it's just a really hard job in that sense. Like you can spend so many months trying to get that big payday or like prove that you're doing really well and it can just all be taken away from you. And it's like, it's just really high anxiety for sure. <laughs> so, That's right. Because like you can love the process, but the process doesn't pay race day pays. And for you, exactly. this is a job. And exactly. So and I, the best example is rolling my ankle. Like, dude, I didn't even know if yeah. I was going to be able to run and it didn't bother me in the race somehow. I don't know how, but, um, anyways, well, it's probably because it happened in your warm up. If it happened the day before as someone who's had reconstructive ankle yeah. surgery because of like how many times I've ro rolled and broken my ankles, like I can tell you, like, that's like one thing I can actually talk at a high level on is that like, yeah, the fact you probably did it in warm up, it probably didn't have a chance to swell up so badly to affect you. But I'll tell you what, man, like this is a great example of like how you approach things because like you could also at the same time, look at that and be like, look, the bad thing happened and you got through it with, you know, despite that. And obviously Endured. the counterpoint, yeah, the, the counterpoint is getting sick the same, the, the week of Chicago, which is like yes. another fluke thing. And 
you know, it, it was something that you weren't able to work through to the point where, I mean, obviously 2.14 is a very respectable time, but that's not the fitness you were at. Right, right, exactly. And, and I just I just felt lucky that I at least felt like myself. I, I mean, I definitely think I felt worn out in the later miles of Chicago from it. But like, man, when I started that race, I was like, I got a, I think I got a shot. Like I felt pretty good. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, you nailed it. It's just, it's a lot of work and I love what you said. It's like, you can enjoy the process, but the process doesn't pay. Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a high, I mean, it, but that's what makes the high is so incredible. I mean, that's why like at the end of a 15.5 mile race, you see me just losing my mind with all this emotion. And like, some people might be like, how can that be real? You know, it's like, I used to kind of wonder that. I'm like, this guy had the race won for a while. He knew he was going to win. It's over an hour race. How can, how can you be that excited? But you just bottle it all up the, for months. And even in that race, like I've, like you said, like CIM, dude, I had so many amazing moments at CIM and I thought I was going to run like 210, 211 to win the whole thing. And then it was all taken away, you know? So at the 25 K I truly, I truly didn't really like enjoy any of those high moments in the race. Like I would see a good split and I would just be like, okay, like that's, that's good. Like back to what I'm doing. I was just so kind of like numb to everything that when it finally happened in like 800 meters to go and I like knew I was going to get it. I like, it was just, I couldn't believe it. So I just, I just dreamed of a moment like that for it just seemed like dreams, you know. I never thought, I never thought something like that would really actually happen. So, right. I mean, and there's a million cliches that describe that feeling because it's the truth, right? <laughs> so many yes. cliches are born out of reality. You know, whether it's like it's darkest before the dawn, or, or you know, you know, there's a million tropes along those lines. But it's 100 percent true because there's no way that you would have had that emotional outburst if you know, if things had gone swimmingly in the preceding three years. Oh yeah. No way. No way. I mean, yeah, no, it was just in like, it was just, it was, it was such a heightened experience too. Cause I'd been out there with Dathan for two weeks. It's his hometown. He was doing broadcasting. Um, I mean, there was just so many reasons why it was such a special moment. And just to like, I I've been doing well with Dathan and kind of like we talked about, I was crushing it and I was, I, my races were fine. Like there was nothing wrong. I ran 62 like flat or something at Houston, which was fine. Um, ran fine at New York. I was like in the mix, but it's just like, I don't, I don't work my butt off and do all these things to run fine. You know, you work your, what motivates you on those crappy days and all those things is those is a moment like that. And so, um, I think both Dathan and I just had felt for a while, like, just like we knew something was coming, but we're like, how long are we going to have to wait? You know? So it was just like, Dathan was so pumped too. It was, it was, um, I mean, no matter what else happens in my career, you know, even something more special than that. I don't know if it's going to, you never forget your first moments like that. I mean, even, um, I got third at NCAAs the next year in the 5k and it was awesome. I was really stoked, but it was nothing like when I got there the first time, it was like such a, such a, heightened experience it's it's hard to i don't know there's just nothing like it yeah that's for sure it's it's obvious that you and dathan are clicking on a lot of levels and have and have been for a long time and if you wouldn't mind me bringing bring it back to when you decided to make the coaching change what was sure. that like for you because obviously like you've you'd had a long connection with brad obviously just like with dathan it kind of started oh, yeah. a very casual thing and um, and then kind of grown into a much more, you know, much stronger relationship. And you guys had you know, worked together for a long period of time. 
So what was that process like for you to, to make that make such a difficult decision? Yeah, it was really hard because exactly. I mean, I wouldn't even have much of a relationship with Dathan if it wasn't because of Brad. Um, and then also, you know, like I said in other interviews, I owe a lot to Brad. Like I, I wasn't even really, tra- I could, I was like, not, I hadn't run seven months and Brad started coaching me and he, he allowed me to get another contract, you know, with Saucony basically. Like I wasn't even, I wasn't going to be able to get fit enough or do enough stuff to probably get, um, another endorsement deal. So it was really hard. Um, you know, I'm a really loyal person like too. And so it was really hard for me. Um, it was just, I mean, he just ended up deciding he wanted to do something else. Like, so I, I don't think I, I think it would have been really hard if I was like, Oh, I want to, I'm going to leave Brad. Like, I think that would have been a really hard thing for me to do. Cause that's just not really, um, in my DNA very much. Um, but he was just making it really clear. I mean, he just, he was really excited about working with Allie and, um, he, he just had been in Boulder for a really long time and they were going to kind of travel the world a little bit and, and just be really invested in, in each other and stuff. So he was really excited about that. And, you know, I, I, I thank Brad for everything he'd done, but I, I have a wife and like, I, I have like other stuff going on in my life, you know, like I don't want to travel everywhere and just focus on my running. Like I like, other things as well. Um, so, you know, it was kind of, he, he kind of made that happen more than, more than me. And then it, it just, he was still willing to work with me, but it didn't seem like a very good situation anymore. Um, if he wasn't going to be around and, um, and stuff. So that was kind of it on that. And I was kind of trying to figure out what to do. I was like, well, I don't know what I want to do. Like, cause I moved out here for Brad. Um, like that was why I came out here but I love Boulder and um, I was having a lot of, I mean, I wasn't having amazing, amazing races yet, but like I could, I, I'm really happy training here and I was having good enough races that I felt like I could be really successful. So um, I talked to Richard Hansen, who's Noah Drotty's coach uh, of the roots running project. And I'm really good friends with, with him. And that was a group I was considering because it's here. And then Dathan was, I mean, Dathan was the top who I wanted to work with and Dathan kind of, I wouldn't say he was like, Oh, like I want to coach you necessarily, but we were really close. And Dathan was like, Hey, if you just kind of like, just, if you know, if you need any help, like I'm, I'm here for you, you know? And I was really surprised that he would be willing to do that. Um, and so we just kind of talked about that some more. And basically the decision came down to, I really wanted to go with Dathan, but I was like, I don't know if I can get it done like on my own, um, here and at altitude. Like, I don't know if I'm going to have what it takes. And Richard, who is just a really great person They're They have got a lot of really positive people on their team and just being a part of that community. But I didn't know much about the training and I didn't know much about, you know, I just didn't know where Dathan's coming from Nike Oregon project training and Brad Hudson training. Exactly what I'm coming from, you know, Oregon wasn't exactly Nike Oregon project, but it had some similarities. So I was really attracted to that. Um, but I was just nervous about doing it alone so we just kind of kept thinking and talking through that. And I think we kind of were just, we never made anything too official. We just kind of wanted to see how it was going. And, uh, I, I think, I mean, I think it's a testament to Brad too. Like I think Brad had me just in really good fitness and overall pretty healthy. So when I started working with Dathan, um, a lot of those insecurities about running alone, uh, we could tell like things were actually going pretty, pretty well. Um, and I guess the last thing I'd say is a lot of people stood up and helped me. You know, I had a lot of friends here that were willing to come out and help me with workouts and my wife and everything. 
and I don't need that as much now, but originally I really needed a, a community of pe- friends and people that were willing to kind of help me on those, those first few months. So. Well, you've definitely lived in some great running towns. <laughs> I'll tell you that, Parker. I mean, you might have grown up in in, uh, in football country, but you haven't lived there in a long time because you've lived in between no. Oregon and then now in Boulder. Like, are there any better spots to live from a runner's perspective? No, and and it's funny. I wanted. I was really interested in going to see you when I coming out of high school, but it just didn't work out. So it's really cool that I got to like compete as a duck in Tracktown USA, and I'm getting to train uh, professionally in Boulder. Cause that was like where I wanted to go to college as well. Those are like my two top choices. So uh, you're right, man, I'm getting, I'm living, I don't know. <laughs> and I've also trained in park city, um, for like two months in the summer. I'm trying to think I've never been, you know, I've never trained in Flagstaff though. So I gotta, I was going to say, go that's like that the last out. one you gotta like buy a condo in Flagstaff and like spend like two months there. Yeah, you're right. I know I got it. And I've got, a, there's a, so many great people there now too, that it'd just be fun to kind of like, just see all the, I mean, there's just so many people there now. So it'd be fun to see all the, all the people in, and you know, you can always learn from what other people are doing too. So. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. So you rolled your ankle, you rolled your ankle right before the uh, 25 K champs and it made you bow out of Boulder to Boulder, which I'm sure must've been painful considering shoot, man, not only is it a great race, but it's like, you don't even have to travel for it. You know, I know. It's, like it's, right, <laughs> it's right in your hometown. So how is it going now? So what's like, say like the last two weeks, what have you been doing uh, from a training and workout perspective? Yeah. So it's been, it's been a weird time. Um, the last two weeks. So it worked out well. I was kind of, I was banged up with my ankle and my hip problem. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a huge deal, but it was just like, let's take your two weeks, week and a half down, whatever, right after the race and start getting this under control. Um, and then I was out of town for three weeks and that was really hard. I w- went to Nashville to watch Nashville, Tennessee to watch Ashley race. Then I went to Boston to do some stuff with Saucony. And then I went to New Hampshire to go to Camp Saucony, which is like this just insane event with all these like people that work corporately at Saucony and the shadow reps and the like the, the really important, like, um, shoe stores, they send people, it was so much fun, but, um, just really hard situations to be in. And then I traveled from New Hampshire to Portland, Oregon. And I went to, um, one of my wife's little brother's graduations, then went to his race. He's a really good runner. So he was in the Brooks PR race. We went to Seattle and then I went to Eugene to, uh, go to Matthew Maton's Oregon graduation. And then I'm back. So that was a week ago and I was doing really bad at that point. Um, I felt still really injured. I mean, I was running and doing fake workouts, but I felt like just so like my SI joint was bothering me all the time because of the lifestyle I was living. And I couldn't, I had none of like my team like that I have here in Boulder to help me with some of these problems. Um, and then all my workouts were, you know, I, you know, you could barely fit them in with the family and the work stuff going on. So that was really bad. But this last week I got back to Boulder and I'm at altitude. I haven't been. And now I'm running much, I'm running better workouts than I was at sea level at altitude now. Um, and yeah. And I went on a long run with some pretty good people on Sunday and we ran like 18 miles on this 18 miles, at like 558 pace, which was, and it's a good clip for this route, but what was even better was like, we were closing down the last few miles, like five some 520s and then even like a 515 and my legs my body's not really there but I can tell um my engine feels really good so 
I'm glad we're talking now because I wouldn't have anything positive to say um, <laughs> if it was a week ago. But this last week's been great. This last week's been great. I'm feeling a lot healthier. I ran, you know, 80 something miles a week. I did a ton of that strength work I was telling you about. And um, I don't know, just been really happily surprised now that I'm back sleeping well, whatever. Um, I don't think I'm too far off from, I wouldn't say being like, you know, crazy fit or anything, but I'm not too far off from having some, you know, respectable workouts. So that's good. And then I saw you doing the 1K repeats uh, about a week ago. And then you, <laughs> I love, I love Dathan's comment to you, oh, like, God. you know, do the recovery jog, not a recovery walk in between these suckers. Man. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. So here I am out here in Boulder, you know, I'm like training on my own. I'm feeling bad for myself. Oh, I don't have a coach, like blah, blah, blah. Well, I go out there and train with Dathan for two weeks. Oh my God. That guy is such a hard ass. I'm like out there ripping this track workout all alone, four times, 1K, 6'4". I'm hitting like these great splits, but it doesn't matter. Every time I'm hitting a great split, he's like, stop walking. What are you doing? Like no walking allowed. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like not only do you have to hit the splits alone, be tough. It's like, you better not walk either. And I was like, this is crazy. So I loved my time with Dathan, but uh, I think I like training alone a lot too. It's a good balance. It's a good balance. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. So, so, um, so how's the, uh, how's the ankle feeling this week? It's good. Yeah. You know, the ankle, the ankle was a bit troublesome, but the bigger thing I was more worried about, um, was when I got into the thick of things, you know, like when I'm getting up above a hundred, I'm really grinding and all these kind of things. I was worried, like if I haven't let it heal, maybe I like break a metatarsal or something, or like you know, just something weird from I'm trying to protect the ankle, or like it's not I'm not landing the right way. Um, so the ankles, the ankle has been doing pretty well for a while. It's more like I'm just I just didn't want to rush back into anything and like be, um not running my natural way, like just do something, just get some stupid injury, you know? So, right. Um, right. And, so the, and, and that story, and that story has been told a million times people doing yes. that sort of thing. That's for sure. Yes. I've, and I've, unlike you, I've never, I can't believe it. I've rolled my ankle on runs before. And like, by the, the next day I forgot I even rolled it, you know, I'm like, Oh wow, that hurt really bad. And then the next day I'm like, Oh, I don't even remember. I, I don't even feel it. And I can still, like, if I move this thing the right way, it can hurt. So I, <sighs> I've never, I don't know how I rolled it that bad, but I've never even come close to that. So, um, and I know you understand, but I hadn't, you know, everyone's like, oh, rolled ankle. What? It's like not that big of, you think it's not a big deal, but it just, man, it can be if you, if you don't, if you hit it the wrong way. So, well, yeah. I mean, if you're a runner, like, I mean, yeah. if you're a runner, like, obviously your ankle is important. Uh, it's not like if like you sprained your elbow, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, all right. So let, let's take a peek at the rest of 2019, just generally speaking. What do you have from a summer race perspective uh, in the next you know month or two? Yeah. So um, I want to, like I said, I'm actually pretty surprised with this fitness. So I want to get something on the schedule. Um, the, so we kind of classify races as like, you know, like the, the peak race or like the A race and B race, whatever. So or kind of using a races to set up the big race, right? Um, so like the 25K, there was multiple races before that, that, I wanted to do well at, but they're, you know, they're to help. So the next one that I, I would like to do really, really well at would be the 20 K, um, championships. You know, it's usually, it's usually a really tough place to run. It's in, um, it's by Yale. So I think that's Connecticut. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's only Haven. an hour from me. I'll be there. Yeah. Oh, sweet dude. That'd be awesome. So I'll see you there. Hopefully, you know, everything goes well, but like, man, I just, um, 
yeah, like I say, it's a tough race. Like you don't get to run a fast time and it's like another weird distance, but you know, man, just just getting to break the tape at that 25 K championship was such a special experience. And you know, I don't know if I'll get to do that, but, um, it's addicting and, and I want more of that success. And so I'll go there. Um, definitely, you know, trying, I want to, I would want to try to win that, have a chance to mix it up. Um, and so before that, I kind of, on my mind, I was thinking, you know, maybe like the crim 10 miler, um, or, uh, I ran beach to beacon last year and I really enjoyed that race, um, and did well. So I could see myself doing either crim or, um, the, or beach to beacon. And then obviously like, I don't know when this is being aired. Um, but I think we can control that. So I'll just, so it's all leading to, um, I've signed with my deal to run Chicago. So I'm running Chicago again. So that is the huge, huge, huge focus. Um, and that'll be in October because now, you know, as everyone knows, you got to run pretty dang fast. If you want to kind of have, um, some skin in the game at the Olympic trials and, you know, and either way, like I've already made it known that, I'm trying to run under 211, you know, for two, three years now. So, um, that didn't change much for me. I guess kind of like made it even more important. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the big thing missing from my career right now. You know, I've, I've run good track times for myself. Um, now I won a U.S. title again, which is great and, uh, got that sweet time. But the one thing, you know, that's like still really missing is running a good marathon and an Olympian. And, you know, if I'm going to become an Olympian, I got to run, it's probably going to be in the marathon. So, uh, those are kind of the boxes I need to check now. And so all focus is on Chicago and, uh, finding a way to, to get it done over the 26.2. I love it. All right, Parker. Hey, thanks for coming on. I can't wait to talk again. And if I don't talk to you before then, I'm sure I'll see you in Connecticut at the 20 K champs. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on. And we're calling this what the road to gold. Is that what it's called? Road to the Olympic trials, baby. Road to the Olympic trials. Yeah, thanks so much for having me be a part of it. I'm really excited. Thank you, Parker, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Road to the Olympic trials podcast. Please subscribe today so that you won't miss a thing in this podcast feed. Also, if you haven't done so already, head over to the Rambling Runner podcast and subscribe there as well. The Rambling Runner feed is about dedicated and dedicated amateur runners, sorry about that, who are working hard to get better and doing amazing things. In fact, this week's episode is with Molly Cuevas, who just ran across the country. You heard that right. She ran across the country. She was a former uh, college field hockey player, an All-American, who then went on to raise money for a charity she certainly believed so strongly in and ran across the country to do just that. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it, and happy running. Deep. I'm a real person, real versions.